The phone rings. I'm hungover on a hot East Village afternoon. I answer. It's Al. He wants to know if I'm available to shoot for the next three days. I say yes and ask if I'll be working with the sound person and who the client is. He's in a rush and he just says, great kid, I'll call you back. I go down to Rogers for a double bacon, egg and cheese. They make me a regular coffee without even asking for it, swirling the milk in and stirring it slowly. I eat on the stoop, looking at the traffic on Houston. Some guys on the handball court are arguing. I am slowly becoming human again. Al calls back. I'll be shooting behind the scenes on a music video. It's all very hush-hush. He just says they've requested me personally and what my call time is and the address. The hospital is abandoned, somewhere on the Upper East Side, but hidden in plain sight. There are trailers and honey wagons, production trucks and generators. I meet the client, a squirrely producer for MTV, and then I see a man in a full lizard costume. And not some cheesy B-movie one, a real imagination of a man with scales and claws and a heavy tail drags across the sidewalk. We start with him in makeup, I'm told. We step into the trailer and the camera is slung low. We're very polite, knowing that we're intruding. And there is David Bowie with the lizard mask on the table. His eyes have these giant contacts in them and they're trying a different option. And I'm already shooting. He sees us, gently ignoring our presence, knowing that we need to be there. I trail him for three days, always sensing when I need to give him some space and when to lean in and get the shot. One of his assistants knows me from a fashion shoot I was on earlier that year, and she whispers in his ear, pointing towards me, as he nods, that wry David Bowie smile crossing his face. The next scene is upstairs in a surgery room, all crumbling walls and broken tables. The director is Floria Sigismondi, the wild child of the moment. I need to show their relationship, but there's nowhere for me to shoot from without being in the shot, unless I stand in a bathtub in the corner of the room. I tell the first AD I'm going there, and he says, and just stay there. The camera rolls, and Bowie is somehow acting inside that heavy lizard suit, making the scales and the ugly hands mean something. In between takes, he leans over and whispers to me, You know, you're the only person who looks sillier than I do right now. I rest a foot on the edge of the bathtub, smiling like a Cheshire cat. This is exactly where I want to be. I'm Marco, and this is Songbird. This is our second Liner Notes episode. As we get close to the end of season one, and the rest of the stories behind Heaven Get Behind Me. This time we're talking about the music video process, the landmines and the victories, in this crazy process of cooking up visuals that somehow work with the music. 
Music videos have been around for decades, long before MTV, and they hold a special place in our culture, depending on how old you are. They're a rare opportunity to speak directly and to elevate a message and, God forbid, speak to a generation. Or just get people to dance around like kangaroos in the living room. In the 80s, the right music video could make a band when the music all by itself was just not going to get them there. That's kind of a simple way to talk about it, though. Let's face it, music videos are commercials. And can you imagine a TV channel that only showed commercials and millions of people tune in to watch them? And that's exactly what people did until the music videos became reality shows. So how do we manage this business need, this necessary promotional content that has to balance with the art and the life experience that inspired the music? the ugly, beautiful, magical things we witness and boil down to a four-minute song and then have to somehow illustrate in a four-minute video. If I learned anything in my 30-year relationship with the advertising world is that when your product is holistic, when it truly makes the world a better place, it isn't creepy or weird to find yourself selling it. You get to leverage a very special form of visual and spoken language then. I used to make films for Volvo, the company that invented the seatbelt and so many other safety measures, all before Ford bought them when they were just a little independent company in Sweden. And they had this idea that people are going to drive cars and that's not going to change. So why not make the safest cars they possibly could and spend a huge amount of their profit on research for how to make them even safer every single day? Because who's with us in these cars? The people we love. So, yeah, that's a pretty easy sell. And that's something I wanted the world to know more about. Through any form of advertising, they would pay me good money to make for them. So here I am with my little album. And we have our single, Kodachrome Shangri-La. And we need a video. But what does the video need to accomplish? Well, first... We look to the song. We don't just force random ideas onto this process. We look for the seeds that are under the ground and we water them a little. Every time I get asked to make a music video for someone, which I do quite a lot, I'm going to put links in the show notes with some of my favorites, especially the two videos I shot and directed for Big Lazy. So every time I get asked to do this, I just empty my mind. I clear the desk. And I just sit and listen. And I let my thoughts wander. I look for those sparks and those little slivers. And sometimes I'll put the song on a loop and listen to it for an hour. I meditate on it. And I don't rush. I don't have a preconceived agenda. I'm not going to force things I think might be fascinating on it. Instead, I just look for what is really there. What we honestly have to work with the emotional center of the song, the lyric that sticks with me, the memorable shadow or the feel. And then I take a pencil and paper and write anything that comes to mind. And I don't try to make something that makes any sense. I don't edit. This is not a precise recipe. There are no measurements. This is not a tight story with the beginning and a middle and an end that comes so much later. This is a series of details of conflicts, of desires, of situations. And then I type all this up, 
and I look for patterns. I look to see which fragments are like magnets attracted to each other. Or maybe there's some that push away from each other. I try to find things that fit together and a few that really don't fit, but somehow it creates a larger story in their incongruity and how they don't fit perfectly. I know. Okay, this is getting very abstract. It isn't easy. Look, you could just shoot a girl in her underwear looking sad, and a lot of people do that. Or you could get a bunch of time lapse and some out of focus shots of water. A lot of people do that. Or you could just shoot the band in an empty room with lots of sunlight coming in and smoke and fog and flares. Maybe it's in black and white. And a lot of people do that. But I don't work that way. Let's try another one of our famous experiments. We're going to listen to Kodachrome Shangri-La, and I'm going to ask you to let your mind wander. What do you see? And what details present themselves? What moments break your heart in this? When you listen to music in this way, you're already directing the movie in your head. The trick is just to get it on paper. Fucking run. Well, I said, your apple Lucifer.
sang other people's songs and there ain't no more Kodachrome Tell me no lies Another good man goes down And all the cameras were watching I did have a few very practical requirements I knew I had to deal with. First of all, I had to somehow be in the video. The band name is different than mine, and that's already such a disconnect. And this being my debut album, if we didn't put a face and a name to the music, it would kind of be irresponsible. Otherwise, it's kind of like this very long, weird blind date when you never know who you're having dinner with, and there's this no way to promote an unknown artist with their first official single unless they're in it. So I had to be in it. But I could create a world for this guy to sing in. My mind ran to empty spaces, a lone little shack on a hill with this tree next to it and the moon behind that, this great big giant moon, and an empty living room full of kids' toys and an old cowboy show is on the TV but no one's there. And then I thought about the different instruments you hear in this song, and what better way to express that I played all of them than to shoot different versions of myself, different personas, on the other guitars. And then came the incongruity, the part that doesn't fit. The drummer. He would be me, but in a mask of some kind, in a costume. And sure... Maybe that David Bowie video did give me the nudge. Now, this was just at the beginning of COVID lockdown, so I was just searching online for any costume that could be delivered to us, and then we found this white horse head. I want to say Eve was in fourth grade, and I went to see the class play, and there was this girl in the corner of a room with a horse head mask on her head. And it was so striking, and this girl was so calm. And she wasn't pretending to be a horse or a horse girl. She just felt like putting a mask on. And so that's how I found this drummer. Me in a long black coat with a horse mask on, banging on the moon. 
At the end of the video, we end up with all of these old TVs from the 50s in the window of an electronics store. Now, some of them are big and some are small, but they're all playing that same cowboy TV show from the first shot, but no one is watching. And you know, that just might be one of my greatest fears, to build all of this stuff, to work on it for months and months, and to have it play with no one to see it no one to hear it. So as we watch that last shot unfold, I think it's safe to say that we feel some wistfulness, that feeling of being unseen, of being invisible. I'll put this video in the show notes, of course. Sebastopol was the second video. Now, my daughter Eve sings with me on that one, so perfect. She could be in the video with me. Now, she acts in all my films, and she has this amazing presence. This, it's this very authentic and understated. It's just this mysterious thing she does, and she has no training, but it just works so well. And as I listen to this song, which is so sad, and among many things, the loss of innocence as much as the loss of a child, in the song, it's about a son that's lost. I thought that a teenage girl in this, well, she could be kind of like an angel. If we see her wings or not, well, that's not the big idea. It's more an explanation of what she's doing there. And this innocence, I really wanted to turn that into a visual. So some of the clouds, for example, they were drawn with crayons and everything else was built from real stuff that was cut out. So crayon things, juxtaposed with real-looking things. A man is on a desert island, and he sings sometimes. A teenage girl on a boat is approaching, looking for him. A sea monster jumps out of the ocean. I mean, yeah, this is a strange place. A mermaid hides behind some seaweed. The man runs into the water anyway, and the girl pulls him up into the boat, and the mermaid surfaces, watching them leave, with a curious smile on her face. And then these crows fly in, and they cut the ropes from the sail, and it falls. And the sea monster's back, but the crows take the ropes in their beaks and fly the boat into the sky, and they all disappear into the clouds. Time jumps. It's nighttime now. A car drives in the pouring rain. Tickets are bought and paid for, with a collection of small coins. A train leaves the station. The man and the teenage girl are on board, looking out the window at the snow falling. The train runs into a dark landscape, the perfect curlicue of smoke from the engine as it chugs through the night. I know, it's so trippy. I felt like it was a story told by a five-year-old, but illustrated by an adult. And by the way, my wife Natasha played the mermaid I told her over breakfast one morning. I had to order a wig and some glitter for her. It's more COVID online shopping. I know her smile so well, of course. And I just wanted everyone else to see it the way I do, with that light in her eyes. Now, this video is in the show notes, too. Making films is a lot like making music. 
except when they're totally different. Well, you need technology to pull them off. Microphones, cameras, lenses, amplifiers. They need to sound right. They have to look right. They have to be in focus. And there's a lot of tech you have to get past to express yourself. Writers, they just have words. Dancers, they just have their bodies. And theater, I mean, you can do that in a parking lot. All you need is actors and a story to tell. I really envy them sometimes. People like to say that film is a collaborative medium, and music too, and working off of other people and finding something together. I mean, that's the recipe for so much great work. I've played in many bands, and I've worked on huge film shoots, but maybe it's because I'm this stranded expat with no one to make music with. Well, that got me to this album and to these videos. When the only obstacle is you, there's nowhere to hide. You sink or you swim. I remember the day Bowie died. I'd been repeating this thing he said so many times that year. I'm paraphrasing, but it went something like this. You have to be taking a risk at all times. Otherwise, your work is stale. It's dead on arrival. You have to go out into the water past where you're comfortable every single time. And actually, you have to go a bit further where you're really scared. That's where you need to live. All right, songbirds. You know, we got a brand spanking new website now with much better subscribe functions. There's an easy way to leave a review and there's a contact form. And I'd love to get your thoughts. Don't be shy. This is the place where I tell people where you can find us. But you know that we're on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Or you can just go to songbirdpodcast.com. That's the only place with the show notes. If you'd like to listen to or buy Heaven Get Behind Me, we're available on Bandcamp, Amazon, iTunes, Spotify. All you have to do is search for Martin Ruby, that's the band name, or Heaven Get Behind Me, and you'll find us. Let's give a shout out to Bunky Hunt of Whistlepig Records, all the way over in Motor City. Next time on Songbird, an orphan some friends, and a crystal ball. Thanks for listening. <laughs>